During a private bipartisan meeting, Democrats allege President Trump called Haiti a not very nice place to live. Now everybody is calling him a racist. We'll analyze the claim, the facts, and racism in our not very nice culture. Then Christopher Haley and Alicia Krauss join the panel of deplorables to discuss creepy male feminist Aziz Ansari, Senator Romney, and the new most popular name in the Netherlands. Hint, it's Muhammad. <laughs> I'm Michael Knowles and this is The Michael Knowles Show. There's so much to get to today, but you know what? We're gonna make it through. We're gonna make it through everything here, and I'm really pumped up to do it. Do you know why I'm pumped up? I know what you're thinking. You're looking at me, you think, Michael, you're not in great shape. You could probably use a trip to the gym every once in a while. You could probably, maybe a little physical exercise, you smoke a lot of cigars, you eat a lot of fatty Italian meats. Maybe you should get out there and get your body working. Well, I'm glad you say that because I've just started doing exactly that, and I can thank Beach body on demand. The main things that keep me from working out are, other than the cigars and the fatty Italian meats, are that I don't want to join a gym. I don't want to go driving 20 minutes to a gym and blah, blah, blah. I have to get up and sweat and be around all these like giant beefcake dudes, and there I am in my sockless loafers, and it just doesn't really fit. Beach body on demand solves all of that. It is, it, this is a really great product. It is an online fitness streaming service. It gives you unlimited access to a wide variety of highly effective world-class workouts, personal to meet your needs. It, and it's, it doesn't just end there. It also includes extensive nutritional content, and it, it obviously those two things are important. You can't sit and eat a bunch of super sot and chocolate cake and say, well, I worked out for 10 minutes. Why don't I look any better? Uh, it's got all of that. It's got to be both nutrition and exercise. That's all proven to help people achieve their health and body fitness goals. So Beachbody On Demand is the total package to help you to help you become the total package this year. I'm working on it. You know, I've got my wedding coming up in June and I gotta start shedding for the wedding. I haven't had my tuxedo fitting yet or any of my suits or anything. So I, I need to make sure that I shed all that extra kofefe weight. It's been a really decadent and indulgent year. So you can get, you can get a lot of stuff. I'm sure you've heard of like P90X. If uh, Paul Ryan had been elected vice president, he would have been the VP90X because apparently he does that one every morning. Insanity, 21-day fix, T25, three-week yoga retreat. These are all really good. I, I was just proud of myself because I lifted a finger to click the button on the web browser and pull these up. And they're, they're uh, so easy to use that you can get yourself started. You say, okay, whatever, it's only gonna be 15 minutes. And then, okay, it'll only be 25 minutes. And it's all tailored to exactly what you want. So. I am going to begin P90X. We'll see how far I get in that one. Luckily, Beachbody has a lot of uh, programs to choose from. You know, super convenient. You can use it on your tablet, your smartphone, any web-enabled device. Uh, there's no need to go to a gym or schedule a class. It's all right there. And your annual subscription is much cheaper than a gym subscription. Uh, I used to have a gym subscription. I let my credit card run out, and that was the end of that. Uh, Beachbody On Demand has programs for any fitness level, all, uh, all the way from expert down to Michael, there, there, and everything in between expert and Michael. Uh, it even has nutritional help. And uh, so right now, my listeners can get a free trial membership when you text MKS to 303030. That's right, you gotta text it, but you got a free uh, trial membership. You need to give it a try. Text MKS to 303030. What's that number, Marshall? 
303030. Even Marshall can remember it and understand it. You will get full access to this entire platform for free. All the workouts and nutrition information for free. Get your wife or fiance off your back. Go text it right now. It'll save some money and you might even look better at the end and be healthier. MKS to 303030. Okay. Future Beefcake Michael coming your way. Get ready for that. So much to get to on our not very nice culture, so let's dive right in. Democrat Dick Durbin claims Trump called Haiti a not very nice place to live during a private bipartisan meeting on immigration. Now, Republicans David Perdue and Tom Cotton say no, that never happened. Moderate Lindsey Graham says maybe it happened or it sort of happened. Quite interesting, the participants' recollection of the wording breaks down precisely along ideological lines, all the way along that spectrum. So, did President Trump say that Haiti is a not very nice place to live during a private meeting? My first reaction is that this does not in any way expand or abridge my liberty. Not in any way. It doesn't affect American interests. It doesn't have anything to do with American governance. So I don't, I don't really care what the president thinks about whether Haiti is a, a not very nice place to live. I certainly would not imperil what has been a highly effective pro-freedom agenda over whatever comments he did or did not make in a private meeting. But we're interested in intellectual curiosity here. So let's examine the question. Is Haiti a not very nice place to live? Here are some statistics. 80% of Haitians live on less than $2 a day. One in four Haitians lives on less than $1.25 per day. Global remittances to Haiti, that's $2.3 billion, of which the United States sends more than half. That constitutes over a quarter of Haiti's total GDP. A quarter of their GDP is just people sending them charity money. The Haitian unemployment rate is 50%. Uh, despite widespread agriculture, Haiti has to import half of its nation's food and 80% of its staple food, rice. That's because just 10% of Haiti's crops are, are actually irrigated. Half of Haitian children do not attend school. Haiti's literacy rate is only 64%, which is lower even than the Caribbean average. 30% of Haiti's population regularly starves. Infant mortality is a staggering 55 per thousand live births. Less than half of Haitian households have access to potable water. Just a quarter of households have adequate sanitation. Crime is rampant. Reliable statistics obviously are hard to come by there. One study showed an annual murder rate of 120 people per 100,000 residents. And then another study showed an annual murder rate in just Port-au-Prince of 730 people per 100,000 uh, residents. Rape is rampant. 14% of Haitian households have reported having at least one member suffer sexual violence. Haitian children are regularly traded throughout the country for sexual slavery. Desperate mothers regularly feed their children mud, cookies made from dirt, water, and salt, just to fill their bellies when the food runs out. Life in Haiti is a living hell. Obviously, that's why Americans send so many Christian missionaries to that country. That's why the Clintons were able to siphon off and misuse millions of dollars of Haitian relief donations for God knows what purpose. Americans pour charitable funds and efforts into Haiti because the country is not a very nice place to live. No one until Democrats found it convenient has ever questioned that idea. How about the charge that America needs more immigrants from prosperous countries than not very nice countries. The, the left and anti-Trump Republicans are calling the comments racist. Are they? Let's look at the data. So on the one hand, high school graduation rates for Haitian immigrants are actually slightly higher 
than the foreign-born population average in the United States. Same with labor participation. Haitian immigrant household income is lower than the average for the overall uh, foreign-born population. 91% of Haitians who have obtained lawful permanent resident status did so through chain migration. That's where you come and then you get your family and then they get somebody and then you get other people. Uh, virtually none uh, of the Haitians in America got status through employee green cards or visa lotteries. Remittances to Haiti have increased fourfold since 2000. They now reach $1.3 billion a year. So uh, in, in relation to other immigrant groups, that's a mixed bag. But we're forgetting an important thing. Donald Trump won the presidency in no small part on curbing the influx of immigrants, legal and illegal, on prioritizing Americans who are already here over open borders policies favored by the GOP establishment and Democrats. Compared to native-born populations in America, Haitian immigrants are well over twice as likely not to graduate from high school. They're almost twice as likely to live in poverty. They're two and a half times as likely to lack health insurance for their children. And they're two and a quarter times as likely to be on a major welfare program. Now, even putting aside that these comments are alleged, the, the Haiti is a not very nice place to live, that they're alleged by a top-ranking Democrat and that they're disputed by Republicans in the room, even putting aside that they were said during a private meeting, let's just indulge the hypothetical that he did say them. Would it be nicer? Would it be more elegant? Would it be more couth to phrase the comment another way rather than use such blunt and insulting language to an ally of the United States, albeit an impoverished one? Of course. Of course it would. Would Ronald Reagan have phrased it differently? Of course he would have. But we live in a not very nice culture, to, to use a phrase. I'm sure there are other words you could use. That isn't Donald Trump's fault. Trump may be a product of the culture. His language may be a symptom of that culture. But he didn't cause it. Ronald Reagan was the product of the golden age of Hollywood. Donald Trump is a product of 90s tabloids and reality television. Do, do you behave within the same bounds that dictated personal morality in the early 20th century? Do you? Do you dress appropriately and formally? Do you speak politely? Do you attend church and act chivalrously, et cetera, et cetera? Of course you don't. A lot of people are blaming Trump for our not very nice culture because it's too painful to look at the real culprit staring back at us in the mirror. As for racism, for the decline in race relations, let's compare Donald Trump to his predecessor. Actually, I'm sorry, before we get to that, let, before we talk about it, this is a little tough, we'll talk about something nice, something we can all agree on, can't we? And that is saving some money. This is the money, honey. This is the honey, honey. <laughs> uh, honey is this wonderful browser extension. I've used this for years, so I can easily recommend it before you know they ever called to, to advertise on the show. I said, oh, honey, yeah, I've used it for so long. Uh, it's a free browser extension called Honey that millions and millions of people use every day to save money. So how does it work? I'll tell you my experience of it. You add the browser extension to, to whatever browser you have, Safari or uh, Firefox or Google Chrome, and then it sits there, and then you go and do your online shopping. I used it a lot over Christmas. And then when you go to checkout and shopping, you click the little Honey button, and it uh, adds all of the coupon codes that are on the internet for that store. It just finds them for you, immediately adds them, and then you save money. Uh, probably for my Christmas shopping, 
it would be easier to find out the gifts that I didn't use Honey to purchase than the ones that I did. I use it all the time. It scans and tests millions of coupon codes. Uh, you know, there's no more Googling the random codes. You remember in, in the, the old days of the internet, like two years ago, you would go, you'd, you'd go to buy whatever, a box of cigars in my case, and you'd go and you'd Google it. Okay, where do I, where's the discount? Okay, does that work? 30% of people said that one worked. Okay, and you type it in and then it doesn't work. Then you got to start again in your basket and yada, yada, yada. It goes on 20 minutes. Nobody's got that kind of time. Come on, man. It's 2018. We got stuff to do. Download uh, honey, add add honey to your browser. It is so simple. Whenever you're ready to check out, it does it automatically. If it sounds too good to be true, Time Magazine agrees. That's why they call honey basically free money. And that's what I found it to be. It is just free money. So uh, there's no reason not to do it. It's absolutely free. It'll save you cash on everything you're going to buy anyway. Uh, if you're not using honey when you shop, it is free money that you're missing out on. So add honey to your browser for free right now. How do you do it? Go to joinhoney.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. -E. That's joinhoney.com slash covfefe, C-O-V-F-E-F-E. -E. What is it, Marshall? Joinhoney.com slash covfefe, slash C-O-V-F-E-F-E. -E. Even Marshall can do it. Joinhoney.com slash covfefe. Do it right now. You're not going to regret it. You're going to save a lot of money. All I ask for is a little kickback. Send it to me. Whatever money you save, just give me a little, a little kickback for turning you on to it. I appreciate okay. it. Okay, let's get back to this. On racism on the decline of race relations. Let's compare Donald Trump and his predecessor. So according to a New York Times CBS News poll, by the end of the Obama presidency, race relations fell to the lowest point they had been since the 1992 LA riots, quarter century before, with 69% of Americans perceiving race relations as generally bad. According to a CNN ORC poll, 54% of Americans think race relations worsened specifically under Barack Obama, including 57% of whites and 40% of blacks. In 2009, here, this was the first instance of this. Harvard professor Henry Louis Gates uh, tried to force his way into his own front door. He, I guess he'd forgotten his keys. Confused neighbors called the police. Two officers showed up, one of whom was black, and asked for ID. Gates descended into hysterics, screaming, quote, this is what it means to be black in America. Do you even know how many graduate degrees I have? Do you know who you're dealing with here? I'm a professor at Harvard. Can you even spell Harvard? That's why I'm assuming that's what, what he said, you know. Uh, the officers arrested Gates on charges of disorderly conduct. How did Obama respond? Well, uh, I, I should say at the outset that uh, Skip Gates is a friend, uh, so I may be a little biased here. Uh, I don't know all the. F uh, so I may be a little biased here. Uh, I don't know all the facts. What's been reported, though, is that the guy forgot his keys. Uh, Jimmied his way to get into the house. Uh, there was uh, a report called into the police station that there might be a burglary taking place. So far, so good, right? I mean, if I was trying to jigger in, well, I guess this is my house now, so <laughs> it probably wouldn't happen. But let's say my old house in Chicago. Um, here I'd get shot. Now, I've, I don't know, not having been there and not seeing all the facts, what role race played in that. But I think it's fair to say, number one, any of us would be pretty angry. Number two, that the Cambridge police uh, acted stupidly in arresting somebody when they, there was already proof that they were in their own home. And number three, 
what I think we know separate and apart from this incident is that uh, there is a long history in this country of African Americans and Latinos uh, being stopped by law enforcement disproportionately. There it is. There's the Obama doctrine. Listen, I may not know a single thing about the case here, but let me weigh, weigh in because it offers me a political advantage. The Obama MO, frequently wrong but never in doubt. Then fast forward a few years. In 2012, a Hispanic man that the New York Times desperately tried to call a white guy named George Zimmerman called the police, reporting that a young man who appeared to be on drugs was wandering around his neighborhood. The cops instructed him to stand down, but Zimmerman pursued him anyway. The initial confrontation remains a mystery, but all of the available evidence supports Zimmerman's claim that at some point, Martin knocked him to the ground, jumped on top of him, and pounded his head into the pavement. Uh, Zimmerman grabbed his gun and shot Martin. Obama, of course, could not help but weigh in on the local crime issue, and here's how he responded. But my main message is, is uh, to the parents of uh, Trayvon Martin. Um, you know, if I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. If I had a son, he'd look like Trayvon. Totally needless, senseless fuel on the flames of racial division, but that's Barack Obama. That's our not very nice culture. And it isn't totally Barack Obama's fault either. He spent eight years degrading the culture, sure. Uh, but by the time Obama had come around, the left had spent decades sowing the seeds of division, decay, and victimhood. Enter Barack Obama, then enter Donald Trump. Our culture is a not very nice place, and we can't look to politicians to fix it. That's not what politicians do. Put not your trust in princes. To quote a true cultural figure, and coincidentally a guy who was both black and white at various times in his life, no message could have been any clearer. If you want to make the world a better place, take a look at yourself and then make a change. Good advice from, a good, from an actual cultural figure. Okay, let's bring on our panel. We've got Daily Wire Zone, Alicia Krause. So the question is, should we care about this Haiti thing? You know, did he say it, did he not? Some people say he said it, some say mm -hmm. he didn't say it. If he did say it, is it a big deal? Should we be hand-wringing and pulling out our hair? Or he's cutting the government, let him do it, it doesn't affect my freedom. Adios. I think if he wants to win a re-election, he needs to definitely be cutting back on the idiotic comments, especially when he's in mixed company. I mean, let's be honest. How dumb do you have to be to say something like this, one? And then two, say it in front of Chuck Schumer and, and, and Dick Durbin and, and Washington Post reporter. It was so dumb to say. I think if you get to the crux of the issue, it is a tacky thing to say. I think it's something that should have been clarified or needs to be clarified. But I'm one of those people that even if he's saying dumb things, actions speak louder than words. And if you want to go uh, and talk about immigration po policy and who was more heartfelt on it or not. I mean, there's lots of things that Obama did during his administration that could be viewed as anti-immigrant. That's absolutely right. The, the, that is a real comparison here uh, because, you know, Trump got so much flack for the travel ban, for mm -hmm. instance. The travel ban was an expansion of an Obama-era policy. You didn't hear people saying this was the end of the Constitutional mm -hmm. Republic during Barack Obama. And it, there is, a, even if the statement is true, I don't know. I don't trust Dick Durbin, but that said, both sides are flacking for their own party, so who knows if he said it. But, but I just don't care if he said it. I don't care if a Queens real estate developer <laughs> made an uncouth remark in a private meeting. It, it doesn't... Except, except that Queens real estate developer is the president of the United States now, and he has to understand. And I'm, ta I'm thinking re-election here. I'm thinking 2018 midterm elections for Republicans could be tough, and he's not making it any easier. And I know he likes to punch at the Republicans and some people that he has establishment, which some of them are that he attacks and some of them are not. But if he wants his side to win, and if he 
actually wants to promote those things that you're talking about that's going to make America great again, then he needs to be very careful what he says and how he says it. But I don't know. I, I certainly would have agreed with you a year and a half ago, but I'm not sure. The one thing this guy hasn't been is careful with his language. He's been exactly <laughs> the opposite of careful yeah, with his language. Yeah, and he hasn't had to face an election. And, and you know, there is an election that... He, he lost in Alabama, which wasn't good for him, but the other guy that had been to decide for that year, out of a year and a half, it, you know, ended up losing too. So good job, Steve and, and Donald right. there. Both of their candidates lost, and that's not a good sign, in addition to the polling that you're seeing. I mean, you and I both worked on campaigns. We're the political nerds and the news junkies that have actually worked on and run political campaigns before, and you know that voter turnout in off years can really negatively affect Republican voters. It can affect both parties, and Republicans tend to get out more. But if, if Trump keep saying things like this, and if there's more Trump-like candidates kind of saying things like this, I think you're you're jeopardizing potential Republican voters that aren't just going to go out and vote during the midterms. You might. The question is, do they care about these private comments? In the past, I would have said yes. Now I'm a little more skeptical. So we'll move on to some of the news clips. But I'm okay. sorry, folks. If you want to stick around for, for not even just the panel, for just the Alicia show, then you have to join The Daily Wire. So if you're on Facebook and YouTube, I'm sorry, you got to go over there right now. And if you're on The Daily Wire, thank you. We appreciate it. You help keep the lights on and Kofefe in my leftist tears tumbler. So if you join, what do you get? It's $10 a month, $100 for an annual membership. You get me. The Andrew Clavin Show, The Ben Shapiro Show, you can ask questions in the conversation. You get no ads on the website. I know you're saying, Michael, get to the point, get to the point. Look at this, guys. Look at this leftist tears tumbler. Aziz Ansari is, make, is making a whole mockery of these feminist men, these little soy boys, and the tears are going to start pouring because they're eating their own. You do not want to be caught unawares. Make sure, make sure, make sure you go to thedailywire.com right now. You can get your leftist tears tumbler. They are going away very soon. This is one of the hottest items in a long time. And, you know, uh, you do not know the day or the hour. So make sure you get it before they're gone. Go to dailywire.com right now. We'll be right back. Alicia, it's me and you, girl. It's just you and me today. Yay. We've lost Christopher. We'll bring him back some other time. It's, <laughs> it's always uh, always good to talk to him. So this topic is important. We've got a lot of women's issues today. Oh, Aziz man. Ansari is being accused of sexual impropriety. For reference, here is the comedian Aziz Ansari. Talk about the relationship. My girlfriend ha has influence on me. She uh, she's a big feminist, and uh, you know that made me think about those kind of issues. I I'm a feminist as well. Any, any feminists here? Clap. Any people? Fan? Now, here's the thing, okay? Now, there's a lot of people that didn't clap, but I, I don't believe you. Because if you look up feminist in the dictionary, it just means someone who believes men and women have equal rights. And I feel like everyone here believes men and women have equal rights, yeah? But, yeah. But I think the reason people don't clap is that word's so weirdly used in our culture. Now people think feminist means, like, some woman's gonna start yelling at them. Like... <laughs> Precious's mom is gonna start throwing stuff at you. I feel like if you do believe that, if you believe that men and women have equal rights, if someone asks you you're feminist, you have to say yes. You have to say yes, doesn't matter what you do. Now his accuser, his sexual uh, harassment accuser writes, quote, the move he kept doing was taking his two fingers in a V shape and putting them in my mouth, in my throat to wet his fingers because the moment he'd stick his fingers in my throat, he'd go straight for my redacted and try to redacted me. 
That, that is uh, from a woman who says she went on a date with him, he took her back to her place and started getting real weird and handsy and chasing her around the room. Alicia, why are feminist men such creeps? I, I'm just sorry, Mom. Every time I'm on, I'm on Michael's show, he makes me talk about these things. I know. This, <laughs> maybe I'm, I'm the Me Too show. guy. I know. Uh, I read the report. I'm actually a fan of Aziz, you know, going back to Parks and Rec. I think Master of None, even though it's an obviously liberal show, it's very entertaining and well-made. I mean, he even did episodes on this where he talked about sexual harassment and, like, you know, I don't want to give it away to people that haven't watched season two, but there's a whole theme there about how he misses out on a job opportunity because somebody, you know, was me-tooing some women. And and so it's so interesting. Mm -hmm. This actually, I think, and Carol Markowitz at the New York Post had a great tweet storm about this yesterday, and it's so true. This is actually what happens when you tell women, hey, you're as sexually active and as, you know, turned on and you should be like this because if we're equal to men, we should be able to have one night stands with nothing attached to. Right. And I think that that's what this was. I mean, there was an act that occurred that she said she was okay with. Then she decided to stay the night. I actually think it was at his hotel room after the Emmys last year. And then throughout the night, he kept trying to get with her once again and she was uncomfortable with it. And when he texted her and said, hey, it was fun, which is totally like a guy that had been hooked up with the night before would say, she said, well, I'm glad it was fun for you, but it wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. He apologized for it. And then now a year later, she's coming out with this you know, story. This is not a Me Too story. This is not Harvey Weinstein blacklisting her. This is not Harvey Weinstein raping her. This is, this is a bad, a hookup gone wrong that I think now a year later, she's like, hmm, maybe it's a Me Too thing, but, but it's not. Well, yeah, there is this c climate of a witch hunt right now where anytime men act a little weird or awkward or aggressive or bizarre around women, which is statistically 100% of the time, <laughs> then it's considered on par with Harvey Weinstein raping people. Mm -hmm. But he does, he sums it up so well because you're right. There is this feminism thing of like, yeah, I'm going to go out and get a man tonight as if that's ever been a hard thing ever once in history. And so men go into this and they say, okay, we're exactly the same. Men and women approach sex exactly the mm -hmm. same way. So I'm going to... Because that's what they've been told by feminists for so long. That's what they've been told for, yeah. for so their whole lives. And so now, you know... Uh, Aziz Ansari behaves as though this woman is a man, and surprise, surprise, it turns out she's actually a woman and doesn't uh, react to sex the same way that men do. So what is the appropriate conservative response to feminism? You know, feminism, he said, feminism just means that you think men and women should have equal political rights. Of course that isn't true. If that were the case, it would be called egalitarianism. It wouldn't be called feminism, right? Feminism mm -hmm. clearly pertains specifically to, uh, to womanhood and femininity. What should conservatives consider as the uh, our version of feminism? I'm, I think it's there in the Declaration of Independence, right? <laughs> that and, and then in my Christianity, this is something I was actually talking to my four-year-old about yesterday she was wondering why she had today off of school and I was explaining to her as much as I could in a four-year-old way who Martin Luther King Jr. was and what he taught about and taught us. A conservative Christian, yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> that, that, you know, the all men are created equal sign with where our rights come from and I think that that's the problem, whether it's first wave or third wave feminism is that they renege on that first part and they don't want to acknowledge the first part of where their rights come from. And if mm. you don't understand where rights come from, then how are you supposed to teach your sons and daughters what is right and what is wrong? I don't know if that's oversimplifying it, but... Oh, of course, that's good. There has to be a foundation if we're going to have a serious way of uh, dealing with the sexes. But there also is this little old-fashioned thing called chivalry that takes the opposite premise of feminism. The premise of feminism is that men and women are exactly the same. We're indiscernible. We're identical creatures, and there are no real meaningful differences between men and women. And then there's chivalry, 
which says that men and women are complementary. We see this in the Christian story. We see this in, in Genesis, in the way Christ talks about male and female as complementing one another. And, and uh, in the beginning, God created man, both male and female, he created them. And uh, chivalrousness, holding a door, picking up a check or something, was for a long time in the 90s and 2000s considered politically incorrect. Mm -hmm. It was paternalistic. It was condescending. Do you think that chivalry is making a comeback or is that wishful thinking? I actually think that I would stand with uh, former Secretary of State Condi Rice on this. She did an interview with David Axelrod mm -hmm. on, at CNN recently and she talked about how she's afraid of women kind of becoming in infantilized and unable to defend ourselves and I think she actually used the f phrase snowflakes. She was oh. like, let's not do that to women. You know, women are strong, we are unique and we don't want to create an atmosphere where it's such a gotcha towards men that men end up not wanting women around because it turns out that we do complement each other. There are things that women, sorry guys, can do better. And God created all of us for a reason to make the world go round, quite literally. So, I mean, if we don't, women don't have men, uh, there, there will end up being no more mankind. That's just one of the basic things that would occur. And I think that I, I think that there is a place for a mix of modern day feminism with old fashioned chivalry. Because I know in my work, I want to be judged not just on how I look, but what I bring to the table and my talents, not that I have a hoo-ha. And I think that there is also an element of, I do like it when Michael Knowles apologizes for being rude and not holding the door open for me. <laughs> and, and so there is a balance and an understanding that, that the world has to have of how men and women are similar and how men and women are different. But in those differences, women can still be strong and powerful and beautiful. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. Absolutely right. Okay. We have to move on because it's all but certain in political news, Mitt Romney is running for Senate from Utah. Mitt Romney, the former governor of Massachusetts, who then took up residence in New Hampshire before the 2012 primaries, has now changed his home residence on Twitter to Holiday, Utah. Romney, you will recall, has been an outspoken critic of President Trump since the 2016 primary campaign, saying his promises are worthless, uh, though he later attempted to reconcile when he was being considered for Secretary of State. Uh, Alicia. Mm -hmm. This is a strange situation. Republicans voted for Romney in 2012. He was yep. our nominee. He was our guy. But even then, we knew he comes from the moderate wing of the party. His father is the former standard bearer of the moderate wing of the mm -hmm. Republican Party. How should conservatives feel about his candidacy? I think that really it only matters to the conservatives of Utah. And I think if you're the conservatives on a federal level, like me, I mean, I'm stuck with two idiots here in California serving as my senator. Right. So, our senators. And so I would be happy with another stalwart like Romney, Republican stalwart in the Senate. I know that he's going to really 95% of what the Trump administration puts forward, I guarantee you Mitt Romney is going to vote the way that Trump would want him to vote. I mean, he is, yes, Romney care was awful. Why we decided to go with the guy that actually had Obamacare named after him before yeah, Obamacare came along thing, right. was such a bad idea. But I think that Mitt overall, he's just a gem of a human being. He is obviously connected to, with the people of Utah. I mean, he's had a home there forever. The, his, his, the core, the home, I guess the HQ for his faith is there. And I really think that he, in the sense it is a bonus for the Senate. I, I think that they're really, it's it's a win-win here. I think, And I think even for those Trump supporters that view him as establishment, they're going to wait and see that he is really, I think, going to be beneficial to President Trump. And he is good at sussing out where the political winds are, and he's mm -hmm. not a total rigid ideologue. Mm -hmm. He said when he ran against Kennedy in Massachusetts, he said, I wasn't a conservative during Reagan-Bush. I was an independent during Reagan-Bush. Fast forward to 2012, he was a pretty conservative guy. Mm -hmm. So I think he can probably suss that out. But to your point, if he runs, is there any way he doesn't win this seat? 
I don't think so. I think we might actually see 100% like on a ballot <laughs> yeah. for the, you know, as the results come in. That's right. I mean, who knows? I, I, I Maybe it'll be 90%. I, I think that he definitely could win. He should win. I think that Bannon might be running somewhere with the tail between his legs, but had Bannon <laughs> still been, if Bannon were still in the picture, I guarantee you this would be a race where he'd come up with a crazy candidate to run against Mitt. Oh, it absolutely would be if he hadn't just been crushed under the heel of Donald Trump two weeks ago. I don't, I don't really see Bannon staying a comeback for this election. Mm -hmm. But who knows? Politics is weird. I don't know. It brings me such joy to hear that phrase yeah. from you, though. <laughs> uh, the final story we have to talk about. The mainstream media reported last week that Noah is the most popular baby name in the Netherlands, but after one takes into account variations in spelling, turns out it's not Noah. That's the most common name. The actual most common name for newborns in the European country is Mohammed. Alicia, is it racist for the Dutch or the Swedes or the Polish? or the English to want to keep their countries primarily Dutch or Swedish or Polish or English? Uh, I think y yes. I mean, the way that you raise that question, I think that there is definitely, if you are looking at race, if you're looking at ethnicity and determining this is how we're going to let people in, this is how we're not going to let people in, then yes, I do think that that is a problem, that that is racist. But I do, I mean, if you look at uh, Sweden and Norway versus places like Finland that have a much stronger immigration policy, um, you know, they said, we're not going to be taking in people from just anywhere. We are going to strongly vet people. And then once they're here, we're going to do this, this, and this to make sure that they are integrated into our society. That I don't think is racist at all. But what is, what are these countries? You know, for the United States, it is a country in so many ways founded on an idea. Mm -hmm. A country founded on an idea in Plymouth. A country founded on an idea in, in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And obviously it's founded by people, but they're people of various ethnic groups and who bred with one another and intermarried. And so uh, clearly America, to say America is a country founded on an idea is uh, certainly justifiable and is, is a long stream throughout American history. Not so with England yeah, <laughs> and not true. so with yep. Italy and, or France. Yep. Those are countries founded on people, founded on the Angles, founded yep. on groups of people that uh, over the centuries have either invaded or conquered or whatever. So it might be racist, but I don't know. Isn't that the essence of their state? It's a state founded on a people. Well, should we really oppose that? And it's a very good point. And I think it's a point that Democrats should be asked about because Democrats and progressives in the United States typically look to Europe, specifically, you know, more socialist Europe of, oh, this is what we should look like. You know, we mm. should have their health care. We should have their open borders immigration. We should have all of these things. But I actually think the whole Meghan Merkel being engaged to Prince Harry thing is going to start exposing that the United Kingdom and a lot of Europe is more racist and actually implies and executes racism on a daily basis more than the whole of the United States. I mean, Larry Elder, a friend of the Daily Wire, you know, has a has a great PragerU video on this about is America still racist? And definitely in comparison to these other countries that, like you said, were not founded on the ideas of freedom and liberty and individual principles like the United States were, I think you're going to, in this day and age, in 2018, in the new year, we're going to start seeing that stuff kind of trickle more out of those countries. Of course, America is the only non-racist country ever founded in the history of the world. And, and I'm perfectly fine with that. I am more than happy for the English to remain English and for the Italians to remain Italian and for the Sicilians to remain Sicilian and, and for the Dutch to not have Mohammed be the most uh, common baby name. I'm more than happy for countries that are based on peoples to, to have their own countries, for, uh, for 
uh, uh, Middle Eastern countries to have their own peoples. Uh, but I, I do like that America is a shining city on a hill, mm -hmm. and it's a country founded on an idea. And this actually gets back to the essential Christianity of the West. Christianity is the motivating force of the West. H how should uh, Protestants and Catholics alike, any, any Christian variety, uh, view this issue. You know, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. On the other hand, Muslims have tried to invade the West for 1400 years. Uh, Charles Martel turned them away in Tours in 732. In Tours, by the way, that's not outside Medina, that's outside Paris. And uh, Pope St. Pius V turned uh, Muslim invaders away at Lepanto in 1571. How should the Christian West regard our Muslim visitors in 2018? Man, I'm sorry. I was just thinking of uh, President Obama then talking about how the Crusades were so awful and Christians still need to apologize I for know. Them. I've got, I should when, send Obama a book about the Crusades so you, he can learn anything about that war. You were given that, uh, uh, you know, Islamic history lesson <laughs> there <laughs> to me and your audience. Uh, uh, I, I think that... I think, you know, the beautiful thing about Christianity is that we know that anyone can be welcome into the fold uh, and that that is their choice and their their right to make that decision because of the free will that God gave them. And, and I think that um, it, specifically, I think that overall, they're unfortunately now, if you watch CNN, if you watch MSNBC, even sometimes if you watch Fox News, if you're the average viewer in another country looking, what you see as what you view as Christian is sometimes spewing... Uh, what some people would dub as craziness or hate speech. But when you meet the individual Christians of the United States and you talk to them about what they want and what they want to adhere to and what they want to protect here, it isn't saying, oh no, we don't want Muslims here. It's just saying we want to protect, you know, our rule of life, Western civilization, the Judeo-Christian values that the United States was founded upon. And whether you're Muslim, Buddhist, Hindu, Catholic, Protestant, whatever, if you want to adhere to those values too, you can. Mm. And I think that that's something that the church needs to consider on a whole. Just just stick to the gospel. Keep the politics out of it, please. That's please. right. You don't, you don't necessarily need to go to daily mass and wear a mantilla <laughs> and chant Gregorian chants, but you do have to accept certain premises. And if your culture doesn't accept those essential premises of the West, you can't live here, buddy. Mm -hmm. Sorry. You just, you have to, I know people don't want to be free, but you have to be free. You have to accept those premises. Okay. Alicia, a, a wonderful panel, to, a surprisingly oh, wonderful panel. Good job, of, other guys. Of all you. Yeah, great stuff. Thank <laughs> you for being here. Now Thanks. we must turn because it is Martin Luther King Day. So I want to close on some MLK. You'll notice the left always refers to the man as Dr. Martin Luther King, even though he never carried a stethoscope. They never call him Reverend Martin Luther King even though he was a Baptist minister. So as always, the left's choice of wording is no accident. Let's close the show today with Reverend King's most magnificent speech. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Come back tomorrow. We'll do it all again. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it really doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop. Like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain. And I've looked over. And I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you. 
But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Marshall Benson. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Senior producer, Jonathan Hay. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Our technical producer is Austin Stevens. Edited by Alex Zingaro. Audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is by Jesua Olvera. The Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire Forward Publishing production. Copyright Forward Publishing 2017.